Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Welcome each and every one of you back to our series entitled Promises. I wanna welcome those at our McKinney campus. Welcome all of those that are watching online as well as those that are streaming there live with us at our Hazlitt campus. Would you put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining us. It's such an exciting weekend and I also, for all of you that are watching, maybe even in a service in Keller, I have over here on this side of the auditorium a whole bunch of fired up middle school students that we're excited about as well. So an amazing, amazing weekend and for us as a church, in fact, this message this weekend really ties in well because we believe that God is a generational God that God desires for us to pass on our faith and to encourage those coming behind us. And I love to tell young people that we believe even with the pressures and the challenges of our current world, that we believe that there's still the possibility and the opportunity to really believe for God's best for your family now. That in fact, as a young person, you're making steps and making preparation even now And I wanna tell you, it's exciting. I believe it's such an exciting thing when a young person gets a vision as a young person for their family, even at a young age. And so we're wanting to prepare that foundation to see God do amazing things. And I just wanna thank you as a church for caring about them and investing in them. I wanna thank all the leaders that invested who will basically be sleeping through the President's Day holiday tomorrow because they've had a few hours sleep. Come on, can you give all those leaders a round of applause for their investment? This week, I wanna take our Promises series. If you've had the opportunity to join us, the thesis and the theme is this, that the Bible has a thread all the way through it that's leading to the fulfillment of God's promises for us in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all of God's promises, not a few, but all, they find their fulfillment in Jesus, that his promises, all of them are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so what we've been doing is taking the Bible and going back and looking at this framework that God has laid in our lives through these different people of the Old Testament and seeing the fulfillment of it through the New Testament and seeing that God has used even a stronger word, a stronger word than even the word promise because when we use the word promise, a lot of times we think about the failed promises that we've given that we weren't able to keep. We think about getting excited about a promise but wondering, can it really be fulfilled? And the fact is, we a lot of times even may make a promise on the basis of emotion, but what we've learned is is that God uses a stronger word called covenant, which means that it's based on his character and he doesn't make emotional promises. He's a promise keeper, he's a faithful God. And so our covenant with him, when we really understand that concept, it grounds us, it secures us 
in his faithfulness and his nature, a covenant being a stronger party, making a promise, a covenant relationship with the weaker party, us being the weaker party, we can guarantee that our God is a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God because it's based on his character and his nature. And I wanna talk to you this weekend about something I know you care about deeply. And that is, I want us to see God's covenant promises for an area of our life where we care about it deeply, but a lot of times feel inadequate, and a lot of times we're not really wise to the enemy's strategies. I wanna expose some of the enemy's strategy for this area of your life, and it's the area of family. It's the number one content that in a given year when I share on this, we'll be doing a family series after Easter. It's the area of content that gets the most downloads. It's the area that in our pastoral care department, it's the number one area when you really take all the combined areas of marriage and kids other than health concerns, it's right up there at the top of people saying, I need help in this. Would you pray for my husband? Would you pray for our marriage? Would you pray for my kids? And it's something that we care about deeply, but a lot of times we feel under-equipped or ill-equipped, and it's also an area of our lives a lot of times where we're blindsided by things that we didn't expect, that we didn't want, that we really don't feel like we're really ready to handle, but they just come into our lives. And so I'd like to share with you this area of family. And you know, in, in the area of family, again, we, we make promises that sometimes we can't keep. I had a big promise made to me this week. And it had to do with the family dog, the family pet. See, several years ago, again, my youngest, Lainey Kate, she's a dog person, right? She's a pet person. And several years ago, we had a dog. It was demon-possessed. <laughs> like in the Bible, it talks about that some people had, they were demon-possessed. Like maybe they had a demon, but like there was this one situation where it was like a legion of demons. Our dog had a legion. He had demons for himself and all other dogs. I mean, that's how demon-possessed he was. Then we got this dog, Kingston. Now, this is what I learned about myself. You know, I'm up here trying to, you know, offer to you what I've learned and share with you out of the Bible on how to equip you for your family. And I realized that, like, I don't need a, a dog that's a puppy that needs to be trained. Like, I need somebody else to parent. Wouldn't y'all love if we could do this with our kids? Would you take them from this period and parent them, put all the good stuff in them, and then we'll take them back when they're fixed? Any parent out there would love that option, okay? So that's what I need when I have you know, dogs, because I'm just not good at it. So we got this dog, Kingston. He was already trained, already nice, already disciplined. I mean, he was such a joy, you know? Well, he passed away, and so... We've been in this in-between time, and Lainey Kate has had a lot of you on her intercessory team, so I just thought I would report to you. At, at Prepare, she had like 10 prayer cards, you know, praying for a dog, and I've been doing the dad move. Come on, dads, you know what I'm saying. Dad, when we getting a dog, when we getting a dog? Um, you know, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, you know, you just kind of move on. You just, you just try to change the subject. You, you then, when you get really hemmed up, go ask your mother, right? So I've been doing that. Well, this week I, I got hijacked. 
I got overtaken. I mean, I have a female-dominated house. My son's moved out. It's my wife, my daughter, Lauren, and then Lainey Kate, and they ganged up on me, and there was some people in the church had rescued a four-month-old puppy, and they did this move on me. We'll just try him out for two days. <laughs> you think I'm a rookie? You think I'm that crazy? By the time I made it home, he was already a part of the family. And he's not trained. And it's been a long time since I had babies. Some of y'all young families, you have this in your house. Messes, spills, problems. And in the morning, I sleep great because I don't have any babies in my house. Now I got a baby in my house. The last few mornings, four or five. He's biting stuff. He's peeing on stuff. He pooped on the floor three times. He's got problems. He needs training. And I don't really believe in child-centered parenting. I believe in disciplining your kids. I don't believe you can reason with a two-year-old, but I can't do it with the dog. So I need somebody else to raise him for a little bit and then give him back. Any volunteers this weekend, we'll, we'll cut your tithe. You can go to 2% tithe if you'll take my dog. We're making a deal this weekend. We'll go to 2%. I don't think it's in the Bible, but you can do it. I'm telling you. So we sat down and we didn't have a covenant. We had a contract. I was like, look, I'm not doing anything for this dog. Y'all have to do it all. We will. We promise. We promise. And, and, and I'm like, and look, we can't be spending a bunch of money on this dog. And they're like, he was free. I'm like, he was free, but that counter over there has every dog item under the sun and y'all took him to the vet and that wasn't free. So what are we going to do here? We got to work all this out. So I'm sharing with you my burden. Would you begin to now, Lainey's had her prayers answered. She's getting the praise column. I'm, I need the prayer column. I need y'all to pray for me. When it comes to family, the truth is we want God's promises for our family, but the reality is we ourselves have to participate in the process. We ourselves have to, what I wanna show you this weekend, the number one thing you can do is we have to hold on to something that seems a little elusive in our lives and we feel under-equipped and there's emotions and there's challenges and there's things going on. Jesus entered covenant into the family relationship. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said this, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Jesus is tying into the very beginning passages of the Bible. I know there's a lot of opinions on family today. There's a lot of ideas and if you search the internet, you'll have all kinds of people who have all kinds of perspectives. Can I offer to you, let's, let's go with the architect of family. God didn't need a family, but he wanted a family. You say, well, my family doesn't seem God-like. It has a lot of problems. The ones in the Bible did too. There were challenges, but just because there's challenges doesn't mean that we don't still have to go back to God's original design and plan and desires. So Jesus is tying into the very beginning pages of the Bible, and he's saying, God made this. God designed this. God is the one who holds it all together. In fact, he says that there's this supernatural thing that happens when two individuals, this is an amazing thing, two individuals. I don't know if you know this. You married someone different than you. 
You like it cold, she likes it hot. That's in my house. She likes it warm all the time, the, the dual things, but her heat comes in the car, the dual temperature. Her heat gets over on my cold, so I have to try to do this and use sink to get it over to where I want it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we can't agree on the temperature. We're different when it comes to all kinds of different things. But here's what supernaturally happens with God. He takes two people and they become one. That the closer we become to him and the more we focus on him, the more we rely on him, the more you're willing to submit your family to him, individual people become unified says two become one flesh, they're no longer two but one flesh, therefore what God has joined, that word joined together is covenant, it's promise, it's God's ability to take individuals and bring them together in harmony and unity only as we submit to him. It's his promise for us that he's wanting to join, he's wanting to unify, but what is the enemy's strategy? Let no one separate. The enemy strategy, I just wanna say it up front, and if I seem intense, it's because I'm mad at the devil, I'm mad at the number of prayer requests, I'm mad at just the enemy wanting to destroy your home. He has a strategy to separate you. He has a strategy to, to separate you from your relationship with your spouse, to look up and be like, wait, we're living in two different worlds. We hear it all the time. I don't know how we got here, we grew apart. He wants to separate your children's heart from you. He wants to get them in an antagonistic position with you. That's the enemy's strategy. God wants to bring us together. The enemy's trying to divide. The enemy's trying to separate. God's desire is to bring us together. And I wanna give you more practical things related to it. And really, I wanna start with a picture of the covenant promise of God all the way back to the very beginning, not many chapters after Jesus is referring to that first marriage, there's this person, Abraham. It's in your guide. We, we told you in the guide that there's multiple covenants. God made a covenant with Noah, and there's these different covenants that God made, but one of the top covenants of the Bible is the covenant he made with Abraham. It's called an umbrella covenant because we now have this father, Abraham. The Bible says he's our father of faith. I wanna show you something that I think will inspire you, but a lot of times we're looking at that going, wait a minute, this person lived in the Middle East, it's in the Bible, Abraham, I don't relate. Did you know the New Testament tells us that there is some modeling here that we can look at? In fact, in Romans chapter four, it doesn't say model every single one of Abraham's behaviors, you may not have every single one of Abraham's problems, you may not make all of Abraham's mistakes, but here's what I want you to model. Model his faith in holding on to the promise of God. Model that, hold on to that promise. You say, why is that a big deal? Because Abraham, 75 years old, his wife up in age, God says to him, I'm gonna give you a child and I'm gonna build this lineage and legacy. I want you to see this, this lineage and this legacy that God calls himself, I am the God of Abraham. Look at this generational blessing. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A generational God. I, I wanna say to young people this weekend, did you know right now, you could begin to believe God for a generational blessing in your family. 
You say, will that be easy? It'll be the hardest thing you've ever done. It'll come with twists and turns and problems and challenges. Everyone in here, you say, look, that, I'm far from that. Did you know you could get a vision for that? You could begin to say, hey, even if we're separated now, I can hold on to the promise God could restore that. Even if it doesn't look like that's present in my child now, God's still able to do something right now in this relationship. If we're still alive and we're still breathing, there's still hope. There's still hope for it. And I, I wanna say to some of you, you, you don't get a lot of vision in this area. I'm speaking as a pastor to you. Everything you interact with in a given week is gonna give you more vision for your 401k. Gonna give you more vision for your hobby. Give you more vision for a lot of things in your life. Very seldom is anyone gonna say, hey, hold on to the promise for your family. Focus on that. Maybe say no to the job promotion at this season of your life for your family. Maybe say no to certain opportunities to say, I'm actually going to have the highest vision in my life for a generational blessing. The Bible says here, not perfect people, but God was able to work even in the imperfections. And the Bible says, because Abraham, he kept believing in the promise when he could have given up over and over and over. And he made a lot of mistakes. But Abraham waits 25 years for the promised child, Isaac. And then Isaac is then in the role of now his sons, Jacob and Esau. And previous to the passage I'm about to read to you, Jacob there, there's instruction about who to marry and, and, and thinking about that relationship and thinking about who you marry and young people. It's an important decision. I mean, you're preparing now. Most of culture tells you to find the one. Find the one. In fact, see if you can catch the one. Do you know what most of scripture encourages you to? Most of scripture encourages you to be the one. To be that person, to be that one who's seeking after God, who has that promise in your heart, who says, I wanna believe God for this legacy, generational blessing in my family, my home, so I'm gonna begin to become that person. So there's instructions given to Jacob about that choosing and then the real reality I want you to see in Genesis 28, 13 is Jacob has his moment. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And here's the reality in our families. You can't have the revelation for your spouse or for your children or for someone else. You can only have the revelation for you. But what's really amazing about Jacob right here in this moment is the revelation that he gets. The Bible says, I'm the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. The way this thing works is it can't be just that your grandfather held on to the promise. It has to be you hold on to the promise. You say, well, my grandfather didn't hold on to the promise. Well, you can start holding on to the promise and start building a different generational legacy today. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, I'll give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. That, that's the same covenantal blessing that was given to his grandfather. And now it's being passed down to him. All peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And look at this, now it gets personal for him. And I'm with you. I'm not just with your dad. I'm not just with your grandfather, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this land. Look at this, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. One of the number one things that makes family, there's no perfect family 
is when you begin to understand God's with you, you're connecting with him, you know his promise for you, which gives you the power to be able to be who you need to be within the family context. He had that revelation for himself, and I love this, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. He's here in this place, and I was not aware of it. Did you know God wants to help us with our families? He wants to help us with this area of our life. He's right there saying, I'm ready, I'm present, and many times we're not aware of how much he really has to offer to us. We're not aware of what he is able to do. So many times we look to so many other sources. We look to try to fix things ourselves. We look to, to people who have opinions about stuff who don't align with the word of God. We, we get connected to someone at work who has a negative perspective about family and they are hurt maybe from their family and we listen to that voice. It's amazing how the enemy will give you someone in your life who will not have the perspective of what God's perspective is. And, and what we need is a revelation as God is here with us. He's made promises to us, and many times we're not aware that he's right there ready. I would love to preach to you a message that says, do these three things and you'll have no problem in your family. I wish I had that message, because I love you that much. I wish I could say, do these three things, read these verses, and you'll have no challenges in your family. The problem is, to be true to scripture, I can't tell you that. What I can tell you is this, God is there, and many times we're not aware of it, and he wants to make promises to you, and really, the real anchor in your life is not even the techniques. It's the simple reality that he's a promise-keeping God and I'm gonna hold on to his promises no matter what comes my way. I'm gonna hold on to what he says over every other voice. That's why Abraham is a model to us. He's what's called our father of faith. We're his children, the Bible says, holding on to those promises. I read a story this week about a gentleman in Australia and his daughter and they got caught up in floodwaters they were driving down the road and water began to come into their car and they went and found a tree. He took his daughter, Craig and Kira, he took his daughter up in this tree and then he gets up there and realizes they're not gonna have the power to hold on. So he swims back through the floodwaters and grabs a rope and he goes back up the tree and he goes up there and ties him and his daughter, ties them to the tree and they wait all weekend for someone to come for help. I thought, man, what a great picture sometimes in family. It's not about the tips and the techniques, it's sometimes just about, you know what? We're gonna tie ourselves together even in this flood water and we're gonna hold on to the promises of God. Hebrews 10 says this, I wanna give it to you from scripture. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. God's part is to stay faithful to his promises. Our part is to hold on to the promise. Our part is to say, you know what? You're going through some things as a young person. I'm gonna tie you up in this tree with me. And man, we're still gonna stay connected and I'm gonna press in with you no matter how much you reject me. I'm just gonna keep pressing in for that promise. And it's like, I don't know what's going on in our marriage. We've grown a little distant, but man, we just go tie ourselves up in this tree, let the flood waters are there. Snakes are floating around in the flood waters. It doesn't matter. So let me just encourage you with something today. I wish again, I could give you every little 
technique and tip, but sometimes the best thing I can tell you is if your marriage is in trouble, hold on. Hold on and do whatever it takes. Step out of the crowd, get help. If you had a medical issue, you would be trying to get to the doctor immediately, but somehow because of embarrassment and condemnation, when we end up with a little bit of problems in our marriage, we don't tell anyone and it continues to grow. If you've got a challenge with your child and a situation, look, let me just say, hold on. They go through seasons, they go through circumstances. Hold on, just hold on to the promise of God and don't let go. I wanna give you three things though that I think are threats to the promise. God is there, he's available, but there's some threats that I wanna expose from the enemy that are, that are a little bit even cultural and that's why it's more challenging today. And I will say, in the last few years with all the things we've gone through, I, I, wanna, I wanna tell you from a pastor's perspective, um, it's just been heightened. It's just been heightened, the pressures we've dealt with, the, the problems, the working from home, the situations, the isolation. And I'm not minimizing, I've, I've done funerals, I've, I've, I've been involved, I've been in the game. Thank you to healthcare workers and teachers and everything that we've walked through that serves, anyone who's been serving people, we've been on the front lines of, of, of the battle. But I do wanna say as a pastor, we didn't just have a health epidemic, we have a relational epidemic. Isolation in the human soul is always going to lead to challenging things. And it's unprecedented, the number of prayer requests and marriages and families and circumstances. So I want, remember my intensity is my love for you. I wanna expose the culture we live in that's toxic to the family, to the marriage, to the home. Here's number one. We have a challenge prioritizing the wrong things. We care about family, but nothing in our culture gives us the margin or the encouragement to prioritize it. Let me give you an analogy, okay? I went to Subway the other day to buy some sandwiches for the family. I've got the text order. Anybody been there? Y'all know what I'm saying. There I am trying to make sure how many banana peppers and who wants what bread and all of that, it's a very challenging dad task, but I'm trying to get everybody's just like they want it. I get to the end and I didn't realize my wife had lost her credit card, so then my credit card got canceled. Anybody ever been there? Give it to them, they put it in, you're declined. I'm a pastor, can I get any kind of grace of any sort? I, 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 you know, I mean, you just feel like an idiot. You're like, look, I know I got, I got money. I promise, I promise I got money. And you just feel like, and, and you know what? That's what happens in family relationships, and I wanna encourage you with this. It can happen so quick. It can happen so, so quick. You get real busy with the work challenge. You get real focused on these things. You get a, a, a very extended travel schedule. You, you get kids real busy in activities. And, and what happens in relationships is every time I prioritize you, when I love you like you need to receive love, a little practical thing is years ago for Brandy and I, a Thursday with the way I, my schedule, I work on the weekend, so a Thursday lunch, that little prioritization of her was just one little thing. I'm not talking, we, we sometimes make, you know, date your spouse, like it's like all about the food and the romance and the Instagram picture. 
No, it's about the connection. It's about the investment. Her love language is quality time with me. So even that one little thing, every time when I'm real busy, I do that. What I'm doing is I'm taking change and I'm depositing change in that and I'm, I'm getting change in my pocket relationally. It's real easy. Let me say this to parents. With all the world we live in and the isolation of screens and you and your room have a television, you have all your video games, you have your phone, you can just let that kid just isolate into a hibernation of voices that are more connected to them than you. And what happens is you start noticing we have a problem and you have to address it and you reach in your pocket and your card is declined because of lack of investment. Culture's not gonna tell you this, but I'm gonna tell you. When you, you don't have to be perfect, but when you prioritize an authentic relationship with Christ and model that, you're always making deposits into your family. When you elevate and exalt the word of God over every other voice, you're making a deposit in your family. Can, can I share with some of you young families? I was amazed at the voices of culture's impact on my children as they grew. You better set the authority up as the word of God now at your house. You better say, this is the authority. It's the authority for dad, and dad has to repent when he doesn't submit to that authority. But the attack in our culture on the authority of the word of God as truth, as final truth, as final say, the investment of putting your family in spiritual environments. I wanna say to every parent here who invested in their kid to go to these bots weekends, great choice. Because what they got was change in the bank, deposit, touch from God. True or false, young people? True or false? Now, I, I'm, I'm speaking as a pastor, and my kids, my daughter plays soccer, my kids played sports, my this, but I'm, I'm just saying, nowhere else in culture are you gonna hear this. Sometimes maybe they might have to miss school. Sorry, teachers. They might have to miss a game. They might have to miss, you might have to miss something that culture says is important to prioritize something that you care about. I'm talking as a pastor. You might have to not go to the lake house as much and get your kids in church if you want them to have the deposit. I love this praise report that I got. I know I'll give you prayer requests in a minute, but we have consistently been going to church as a family for almost a year. I never thought that would ever happen. God has changed my husband, my family, and my marriage. He is so good. Is it just about going to church? No. Is it about the rote routine? What am I saying? Small group or a retreat or a spiritual investment? What I'm talking about is that what happens in, and this is the enemy strategy, live for this but want that. Focus on this but wonder why this has empty pockets. Make that investment in what you, I'm gonna give you permission as a pastor. Invest in what you're really gonna care about when you're 65 years old. Invest in that, because that's really what you'll care about. Here's the second thing that's really caustic in the world we live in, and that is we rely on our feelings. Look, we're emotional people and we have feelings and I wanna tell you, feelings are powerful. They're so powerful. 
You know, when you feel good, you feel good. When you feel bad, you feel real bad. And when you're under pressure, twos become tens. Your feelings lie to you louder than they do when you're not under pressure. So feelings are powerful, but they're not real dependable. I know this as a pastor, because I've worked with people for 27 years, and I would love to believe that everything I say to you, you remember. Most of you are gonna leave my message this weekend and say, Pastor Jeff got a dog. <laughs> and, and he needs parented, could you borrow him from me? You, you remember what you feel. You do what you feel. You're led by what you feel. So that's why the word of God has to come to such a degree that it begins to change our feelings and attitudes toward Christ to usurp the strength of our feelings. We have, it's a common thing as a pastor. I'll let you in on just a common thing. Like, I'm leaving my spouse. Why? They don't make me happy. They don't make me happy. Common, common phrase in our culture today. Can I say this, that my beautiful wife, she's just a joy to be married to. She is just amazing, she really is. If there's any sin in our house, she doesn't have it. If there's a problem in our, it's usually my fault. She's amazing. I love to spend time with her. We share hobbies together, we do things together. But can I encourage you with something? She doesn't, most days, she's not the source of my happiness. Anybody been married longer than two weeks? She brought a four-month-old puppy to our house. That didn't make me happy. No human being can be the source of your happiness. You have to come to a place where you realize my feelings will lie to me and really, family, I'm talking about if you really get a vision for it, it's the single most sanctifying, grow you up, mature you, mess with your feelings, set of relationships that you will ever enter into. It's absolutely the worst source to try to find personal happiness. The Bible says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on that which the flesh desires. We say, well, I just feel this way. The Bible says it's flesh. It's your flesh that lies to you. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. To have a family that's not perfect, but a family that begins to get healing and hope and traction and life, one thing you'll have to hold on to is to know my feelings can't be depended on. I have to have the character and nature of Christ to cause me to think about this differently, to cause me to focus on it and see it and view it and care about it differently and let the Spirit of God work through me to do something different than what my flesh would actually tell me. The third thing that I believe is probably, if I'm really honest, the single most caustic thing of our world and our culture. I hope you're following along right there in Hazlitt as well. Promoting personal preference. I wrote this down this week. We live in the most personally customized culture in human history. Personally customized, okay? Young people, you won't relate to this, but let me take you back just a little bit. At my house now, when you turn the TV on, there's three boxes. Girl-dominated house, 
One box says Brandy, one box says Lauren, and one box says Laney. Dad's not on there. And when they click on that, it's their personal viewing stuff. I click on it and realize there's nothing they're watching that I'm actually interested in. But they get their personal view on your phone, the personal playlist. When I grew up, there was a box, but it was actually a cabinet that had a Xena TV in it. And there were three channels and dad controlled them all. And there was no remote, I was the remote. Go change the channel. And we had selfishness then destroying families. More so today. Because if there's one thing that destroys God's vision for your family is me, myself, I, personal, what do I want? But what makes family work is this passage of scripture. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. Not looking out for your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So what would I say to hold on to is hold on to, I'm gonna make that deposit. I'm going to, to spend that special time. I wanna say this, parents, with your kids, especially if you have multiple kids, they, they're different. They receive love different. Think about the deposit with them. And sometimes you'll have one kid that's really challenging and out there and real forward in their, their antagonism towards you. And you can focus on that and forget the other ones. And they may think, well, I need to cause a problem to get an investment from mom and dad. They're all different. And we all have to look at how do I get outside of myself and really check the temperature of my investment of where their heart is because it can drift so fast. In a marriage relationship, looking out for the interest, the, the, the understanding, and I want to say two more things and then I want to show you how to get help. The first thing I would say is that when you come in for pre-marriage counseling or marriage counseling or any situation, here's typically what happens. The one party feels as if they haven't been heard and they haven't been understood, and so they begin to say, here's what happened, here's what she did, here's what he did, and they wanna get all those things out on the table. So it's always the place, okay? And so the counselor listening to that has to listen to everything and then begin to sort through the mess, but at the end of the day, can I encourage you with this, where you ultimately have to get is you can't change that person. This is gonna be starting place number one outside of your relationship with God because when, again, God joins us and so until we're right in that relationship with God, we can't be connected. But the second place you have to be is you have to work on you. You have to work on you. You, you, you have to be that person who says, I'm gonna focus in and work on what God has for me. The second thing I would say to you is that many times, many times in these meetings, the other party is unaware at the level of disconnection. I just wanna say that to you to pr pr just promote a little bit more. Into, most of the time in family, our kids or our spouse or someone, they're further from where we think they are in our minds, because why? The enemy's working to separate and separate. And before you know it, you're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't. Oh, how quick we can show up at the counter and get our card declined. It happens so quick. I wanna give you hope though. I've seen where when we're willing to work on me, 
When we're really willing to submit to God, I've seen God do miracles in homes and families. He can do it in yours. You might think, oh, that's not real. Oh, he can. I hope this weekend, maybe for somebody that's struggling, you may have a Jacob moment. God is surely in this place and I wasn't aware of it. God is surely present and I didn't even know it. God's there. He can do a mighty miracle. In fact, to our Hazlitt campus, when Pastor Ron and Azu came to our church years and years ago, they were literally in the process of divorce. I, I love to tell a, just an out-of-the-box crazy story, and I'll never forget telling Ron, look, you gotta work on you. Telling Azu, you gotta work on you. But like, like you really focus on your relationship with God. Azu got right with God, and Ron got right with God. They began to work on their, on their self and grow, and God, over time, took what was really a seriously challenging situation, began to bring two people together, and then he went on to seminary and trained and developed, and now he's our Hazlitt campus pastor. Those of you right there in that school, just think about it. Just think about it. God using a couple in a mighty way because they held on to the promise of God. I, I want you to know there's hope today, and we wanna help you. Before I pray for you, I wanna tell you some ways you can get help. Number one, we have both staff and volunteers in a, in, a, in a setting that we've seen God doing amazing things, what we call biblical coaching, that we can pair you with someone who can begin to help you. Now, I wanna tell you, the reason I wanna give you a little bit of stats, we've had 350 people go through this process. Because I'm gonna tell you what the devil will tell you. Oh, man, I know I'm in trouble, but don't tell anyone because, man, we're, we're gonna be the weird. Look, I've had to have coaching. I've had to have help. I've had, I thank God for the investment in my life in the area of family for stuff I wouldn't even have known without the help that I've received. Pastors in my life, coaches in my life, people that have helped me. Look, we all need this. But if you're at any level concerned about where your family is, let me encourage you to reach out for this biblical coaching that could really help you. The second thing is we have some marriage groups. I think we have five groups right now forming and we're ready to form more so that there is an environment for you to come and talk with those. And what happens, when you get in a setting like that, you realize, look, I'm not the crazy person. Look, the enemy has a strategy for every family to separate it. So we have these environments where we can help you in them, but also we have freedom starting on May the 22nd. And I, I just always love to mention this, probably in the last 18 months since we were able to start regathering, we've had close to 1,000 people go through this. And I would encourage you, if you're a part of Milestone Church, no matter where you're at, this would be a great thing and a great step and a great group and something to prioritize because we can't offer what we don't have. So God wants to do something in us so we have something to offer in our families. This would be, some of you, you're like, look, I'm trying to get started with the family, but I got pain in my past and I've had a divorce or I've had this or I've had different things. Look, get, get, get some help in that. It's available for you. Let me talk to you as a pastor for a minute. We get your prayer requests. We know where you're at. Will you step out to get help? Come on now, that, that smile at me. I know you have needs here, so we should have people signing up to get the help that they need in these areas, and we're offering it to you. The final thing I'm gonna do is pray for you. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. Every single person stand on your feet. I'm gonna pray God's promise, God's promise over young people, your future family. The enemy's not gonna tell you to hold on, but I'm gonna say, young person, if you're believing God for a godly spouse, hold on. 
If you're a young adult and you're believing God and it just the enemy's telling you, hey, just do whatever, no, I'm gonna tell you to hold on. If you're a single mom who I've prayed for hundreds of single moms here and maybe you've had some hurt and you've had some pain in your family and you might think, man, I don't, it, it, God doesn't have a promise for me, I wanna tell you to hold on to the promise unswervingly. If you got challenges in your marriage, I'm gonna, I'm gonna encourage you to hold on. Challenges with a kid in a situation, I'm gonna encourage you to hold on. Lord, I pray right now over every home, every family, every circumstance, every situation. Lord, we thank you for your covenant promise to us that you're there. And Lord, maybe just like Jacob, we might have a moment right here to say, Lord, you're right there and we weren't aware of it. But Lord, give us strength. And I know, Lord, sometimes it feels like, look, I'm, I'm gonna let this person down or let that person down to prioritize these areas of my life. Sometimes, Lord, we live our lives to, to please others and not please you or to please people we may never see and not really make deposits in the people that we do care about. Give us strength, Lord, to make the prioritization in our lives. Lord, give us strength to go beyond our feelings. Give us strength, Lord, to to get outside of ourselves, Lord, to, to offer and serve and love those around us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you might reconcile. I pray right now maybe someone online or maybe someone at Hazlitt Campus or the prayer request we've received, I pray that you might restore homes and families, Lord. You might encourage somebody to step out and, and put themselves in some environments to start strengthening this area of their life that they really care about. Lord, we thank you that you are a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. And Lord, we wanna put you at the center of our homes because you are the one who has the real power to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.